Good morning. Ah, now if we can, if we can keep that up all all morning, I will sit down soon. I promise you. So I I need that feedback. Amen. Again, my name is is Valentine, and I'm from Oak Cliff, Texas. Uh, that's really the hood of Dallas, Texas. Uh, uh, God, he uh, God. So I was uh, born and raised there. I went to the military in Nashville, Tennessee. I was at Fort Campbell, God, uh, you, you heard a minute, he saved me while I was in Nashville, Tennessee, called me then into the ministry uh, and had me to plant a church for eight and a half years off of a coin toss. Not, it's not the wisest thing to do as a church plant, to take a coin and say, hey, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to start a church. Uh, did that for four and a half years. Uh, and so it was on staff somewhere else for four and a half years and then uh, God uh, sent me out uh, uh, to a church uh, in the southern part of Dallas called Midlothian, Texas. Uh, I did not belong there, but God actually in his grace and been funny put me there, amen? <laughs> so though I was serving in Midlothian, Texas uh, for four and a half years in God, he sent me out last January uh, to plant and to start Omni. Fellowship. It has definitely been a grace of God that I'm that I am in the ministry, making much of Him, given my past. Uh, also, also, I, mean, I stand here as a conduit and as an instrument of, of 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 mercy and grace, praising God for first saving me, and then also for allowing me to meet Chris and Paul over the past uh, eight. eight Eight months. Uh, our church plant has been a story. Uh, uh, no church plant, I uh, most say, deserves to go through what we have, what we went through. But in the midst of us going through, I want to say to you all first, a city Bellevue. Uh, you guys ministered, came alongside of Omni Fellowship in a time of desperate need. Uh, it was a time where we thought, like, man, would we make it or not? And with Paul and Chris hearing just the story, uh, man, they decided to partner with us through prayer and through giving. And so I want to say thank you all for your giving. Uh, it really ministered and both encouraged Omni Fellowship at a time that we really needed it. And so I want to thank you all for your love for Christ and your love for his church. Thank you all so much. Amen. So with no... Further ado, let me just pray for myself briefly, and then we'll get into God's word. Father, I come thanking you for this privilege of proclaiming your word, standing in the stead of Jesus and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. I come weak, fearful, and trembling, not desiring that men's faith would rest on my words, but rest in the demonstration of the power of your spirit. So, Father, would you please allow your spirit to work in a mighty and marvelous way? Be glorified in this hour. Edify your people in this hour. And will you please horrify Satan this hour? 
will your gospel push back darkness even more as we learn what it means to, to love because we have been loved. Be exalted, be exalted, Father, I ask in your son's name. Amen. Whoever and wherever you are, God is pursuing you. It has been the storyline of the Bible from Genesis 3 to Revelations. In Genesis 3, we see God pursuing and seeking Adam and Eve after they sinned. Move forward to uh, two revelations, the last book of the Bible, John, God is pursuing John on an island called Patmos, where he's been isolated and ousted of society because of his love for God and his words. In either case, God was both pursuing and seeking mankind. The Bible is replete with this truth and with this message. Matter of fact, the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, 22, it sums up well what I'm trying to say. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Ah, I'm going to say it again. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. In the midst of our sin and being sinned against, his love, it never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every, or as we said in the hood, every morning. <laughs> Great is his faithfulness. It is because of God's steadfast love. You were never cut off, never forgotten. Never forsaken and never left alone. This should make our soul happy. In the midst of sin and us being sinned against, we can count on the Lord to be steadfast in his love. See, God's love pursued me all the way through federal prison in Nashville, Tennessee. It was in federal prison, being in prison for my third time, God said, you, I want you for myself. It was in the prison walls where God said, not only am I inviting you to me, but I'm also inviting you to work for me. See, it was in prison, when I wanted nothing to do with God, Paul would say, but God, who was rich in mercy, because of his great love he had for me and made me alive with Christ. Though I was dead in my sins, he saved me by his grace. I would not be here today. I would not be in ministry, I would not be a pastor or a planter or even able to love you had not God first apprehended me 
through his love. I've come to realize that in God's pursuit of his love and and us receiving his love, he has kind of like two goals in mind. Number one, he pursues and seeks us to give us himself. That, that, That when we accept his love, that we are able then to worship God. But it does not stop there. When we now receive this great love that he has for us, we're then able to give it in turn to others. So we've kind of been been loved to love. That's my thrust this morning, that God has pursued us and loved us so that we might reveal his love to others. How are you doing on that? People who know you best, are they experiencing his love through you? I'm going to call on John, the apostle, this morning to help us to understand what this great truth really means. So please, find on your device, or if you're old school, in your Bibles, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. First John, this book is written, some say, in, in the later part of the first century. It's written to those who are in Asia Minor, today's Turkey. It is a, a letter that's, that, that's written to the general population, the, the general church, uh, 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 to reaffirm the core of Christianity. Some would say it does, that, that this letter does three things. It actually... Uh, Encourages the saints then to love doctrine, to live in obedience, and to love each other. The core of Christianity is to love doctrine, live in loving obedience to God, and to love each other. John, the apostle whom Christ loved, at the time of his writing, if you study the, the scriptures, this John wasn't always this way. As a matter of fact, he was, he was one of the sons of thunder. Y'all, John had, had some anger issues. But after hanging around Christ, who is love, he learned to love. See, you can't hang around Christ and not be changed. You can't be in Christ and not be changed. John, because he hung around communion with, had fellowship with Jesus, learned how to abide in him, was changed by the love that Christ had for him. See, John, like us in his room, that we've all been changed because of God's love for us and not primarily our love for him. Oughtn't we glad that God's love is not tied to our love for him? That, despite us not always loving God, he still loves us. So this text, this text, 1 John, 1 John 4, yeah, this is the third time that John is putting before the people the, the uh, love of test or, 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 or the love test. John, by this time, he has spent a huge amount of time talking about love because it is so pivotal and so important for Christians to to know what it means to be loved and to love. 
So let me read for you First John chapter 4, uh, verses 7 through 11, then we'll go into a time of explaining it in application. First John chapter 4, verse 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. And this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Verse 11. Beloved. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In verses 7 through 8, I want to highlight two things. God's summon, God summons to love and uh, and the source of this love. Verse 7 and 8 again reads, Beloved, let us love one another for for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse 8, anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. Before I get into the summons, into the source of love, let me first point your attention to how John addresses the saints in his letter. He calls them beloved. Divinely loved ones, those loved by God, those who have been apprehended by the love of God, you, 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 you who have experienced love, is now described as love. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, if you go over to Matthew chapter three, verse seventeen, and Matthew seventeen, verse five, John takes the same word that God the Father uses with Christ. And now says, it's now on you. That, 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 if, that if God had to look down and see you in Christ, he'll call you both beloved. That there is no difference between how God has loved Christ and how God has loved you in Christ. You are his beloved sons and daughters. You have experienced this divine supernatural love. That has marked you for life. In short, God has set his love on you. How did God do that? The text says because you were born of God. That is born again. Romans chapter 5 says this. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he gives to all of us. The fact that God lives in you is proof that God loves you. That you have the Spirit of God if you know him as Lord and Savior. You have the Spirit of God living inside of you. That that the God who creates and sustains all, the same God lives inside of us. And that's proof that he loves us. You, this word love in this text comes from the word agape or or, uh, agapio, 
It's a love that connotes or means a love without condition. That, that, that because of the supernatural, the, 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 line love, uh, the divine love that, that God has poured in, in, into our hearts, we're now able to love people no matter the color, the class, gender, or condition. That we're able to love God just as God in Christ loved us. I wonder, do we still put conditions on folks that we love? Are we still saying, man, you got to become this way or that way, or you have to move where I live or drive what I drive to really love me as God has loved me in Christ? Love is unconditional. See, this kind of love is motivated by faith and not feelings. It's the kind of love that reflects the supernatural nature of God. It is a love that is produced in us and through us by God himself and the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that the Bible uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, it, it describes what love is and what love is not. And I know many people, not in this room, but many other Christians have defined what love is. Not you all. You, you, you all know what love is. I'm referring to those who have come with their own definition of what love is. So for those I fear, let me give you in here a working definition to share with those I fear. Not in here. You got this thing down. So let me give you a working definition of love that I found through uh, a good distant mentor and pastor, Paul Tripp. Paul Tripp, he defines love as this. It is willing self-sacrifice. Now, get, get this definition. Love is willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation. Ooh. Love is willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation, here it is, or that the person being loved is deserving. It is the ability given by God for us, like Christ, to be willing to self-sacrifice ourselves for the good of another. Not wanting good back, not wanting good done back to us. We're doing good with no conditions. Even if the person does not deserve it, it's not our call. We love because God has loved us. First John 4, 19 says this. We love because he first loved us. Listen to the tense of, of, of the word love used in 1 John 4.19. We continue love because we have been loved. Present, active, indicative. We continue ongoing to love people no matter who they are, where they're from, because we've been loved by God. A past action moves 
and inspires us to love ongoing now. See, when we need to love, we shouldn't look to people to love. I shouldn't gain strength from a homeboy, from my wife, my friend, my neighbor to love them. We love them because God first loved us. See, he is our great source of love. And whenever we look for others to love us first, before we love them, let me submit to you, that is not love defined by the Bible. That when people have to meet my conditions, to meet my preference, then I love them. My sister and brother, can you tell those outside of the hill, that's not love? That's not love. That's not love. Our ability to love now is predicated on our ability to look back to the cross and up to Jesus often, over and over and over again. Over. But when I have a hard time of loving somebody today because they did this or because they said this, look to Jesus. Who, who, despite what we said and, and despite what we've done, he still loves us. And because he still loves us, we should still love all that God put around us. It was in 2015. I had just got through preaching a sermon at Stonegate, my sending church. I got through preaching, and I thought God really used me that day. Man, like, man, I was like, God, you, you, you laid it down <laughs> this Sunday. As I'm going into the audience and sitting down, there is this woman who's four foot eight, weighs 110 pounds, wet, says this racist statement to me. It's a harsh statement. Now, she's 4'8", 110. I'm 6'2 and a half, 295. <laughs> I could literally squash her if I wanted to. But her words caused me to cry. They broke me down. And it was on that particular Sunday I quit Stonegate Church. Rodney saw me, Rodney, who was a pastor, he saw me out in the foyer crying, and he was going up, uh, uh, he, he saw me crying, and, and he said, man, what's, 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 what's wrong? I said, man, with snot running down my nose, tears, I said, nothing, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. He said, how time, you, 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 no, 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 you're not. What's wrong? I told him, I told him. And I also said, Rodney, I quit. He said, Valentine, man, can you not make a decision in haste? Can you take some time off? Tell us who it was. We will address that. But man, don't, 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 don't quit. I said, Rod, I'm done. He said, all right, man, but again, we're going to give you time off. If you, if you decide to come back, come back. So, I get in my car, I'm like three or five miles up the road, and God says, who are you to quit 
who, who calls that you or me? He says, my beloved son, do you believe deeper and greater what she said to you or what I've said over you? Who do you believe, my beloved? So you've experienced my love deeply. So why do you believe her? She's done nothing to prove she loves you. Look to the cross. I sent my son to die for you. Not to quit, but to trust me. I'm driving, y'all. I'm driving down the road, and God said, okay, so you didn't quit? Call right and say, you are coming back to work now. I said, God, no, 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 no. You text her, text him, says you're back to help them tear down the church. But also, when you go back, go find her and ask for forgiveness. Oh, what? <laughs> what did I do wrong? What, 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 what did I do wrong? She said it. You didn't love her. You did not respond in love. And not to respond in love and to be loved is sin. Go, repent. Y'all, a brother was struggling. I haven't drove that slow in a long time. I'm driving slow, thinking hard along. God, 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 are you, are you serious? Are you serious? I'm going to find her and tell her I'm sorry. I repent. I'm not loving her. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I go back and I find this, this lady who's four foot eight, 110 wit. And I say, please forgive me. She looked at me. I said, I did not respond in your, with your sin against me in love. Y'all, she was shocked. Now listen to me. She never apologized to me. It was in that moment I learned that repentance doesn't always promise reconciliation. Just because you go back and make things right doesn't mean the other party is willing. But what repentance does require is loving obedience to God and to those who sin against you. See, Matthew 5, verse 46 says this. If you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Even the tax collectors do that. The reason why God can summon us to love each other, because he is the source of love. We have him who is love to love those who at times are hard to love. Because you are beloved and because you have experienced who is love, God summons us to love. There is the summons called by the source of love for us to love. But we also see in verses 9 and 10, 
two expressions of that love. Verse 9 says, In this the love of God has made mani- was made manifest uh, among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. First expression. Second one, as in verse 10, and this is love again. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. What we see in verses 9 and 10 is, is a great summary of the gospel and what is the model end and the motivation for our love for others. First notice in verse 9, it says this, and this his love, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Notice this, that the first expression of God's love is the, in, is in, is the incarnation of Christ himself. The fact that God left heaven, came down on earth to dwell among us is proof that God the Father loves us. That you are so messed up that if I don't send my son who is God to come down and live for you, God. And listen, listen, he, in, in, in this text, it says that he came down from earth, go back to 1 John 1 and 2, that his incarnation is an invitation to the fellowship of God. That, that because Christ came down in the flesh, God in the flesh, we're not able to live through him, the text says. The incarnation expresses love. And those who deny that Christ came down in the flesh rejects God's love for them. If you deny the incarnation of Christ, you're saying that God does not love you. God sending his son is God's way of reaching out to us and inviting us and drawing us to himself in Christ one by one. And many of us, we don't tie the incarnation to God's love. We most times think of God's, his death on the cross, but the fact that he left heaven to come in the flesh is proof that God the Father loves us. The incarnation is one expression of God's love. But the second expression is found in verse 10. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The cross also manifests the depths of God's love for us. But Romans 5 gives us context to when God decided to, uh, uh, to our state when God decided to love us. Romans chapter 5 Verse 6 says that, 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 that while we were still helpless, God loved us. That while, in verse 8, that while we were still uh, 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 sinners, God proved his love to us. 
that while we were still God's enemies, verse 10 says that God, through Christ's death, reconciled us to himself. That, 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 that while we were helpless enemies and sinners, God the Father sent God the Son to die for our sins. He didn't wait until we got right to love. That while we were a hot mess, that up from the flow of God sent his son to what? Die for us. And many of us in the room, we wait to folk get right for us to love them. That's not how God loved you. That's not when God loved you. God loved you while you were helpless, while you were enemies, and while you were sinners. He loved you. He sent his son to die for you. There's nothing comfortable or convenient about love. Love will cost you something. But God showed us did for us what we ourselves could do. That we by his spirit and by his grace could do what he did for us. God's proof of his love is seen in him sending his son on earth, presenting his son as both uh, as both the punishment for our sins and the absolving of the wrath for our sins. Listen, listen, listen. And him being our propitiation for sin. That is saying that God did two things with his death. He satisfied the wrath of God and he also reconciled us to God. That when he died on the cross, he made it possible for us never, never, ever again to worry about receiving God's wrath and yet he sent his son that we, that, that we might be brought nearer to God, reconciled to God, that we might worship God. And in God raising Christ from the dead, he ensured our salvation. That one day, because he sent his son who lived a perfect life, who died a hideous death and got up in a glorious resurrection, we will one day Enjoy life and life forever. It is because of this kind of love that he encourages us. He exhorts us in verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. What is your excuse for not loving people? What reason do you have to give God who loved you while you were jacked up, messed up, and a sinner wanting nothing to do with God, and yet he loved you? What reason do you give God not to love that person or that person or that person or that boss or that neighbor or, or that foe or, or that friend? What reason do you give God that he actually says, that's a good reason? It's because we have experienced love. 
that we're not able to extend this love. It's because we have seen love and we, and we have received love at its finest that we now can't extend love, that we can now offer a willing sacrifice for the good of others, not wanting it to be reciprocated, even to those who don't deserve it. We can love. We can meet the greatest need of anyone because God met the greatest need for all of us. We were separated from God because he loved us. Before the foundation of the world, in love, the Bible says he adopted us. Not doing good or bad, he just chose to love us. Can't we just choose to love people without conditions? Can't we just choose to love people no matter the sin life, can we please just love people because God has loved us? Jason, James Hudson Taylor, who was a British missionary, I met with some young people who had decided to commit their lives to the mission field. And he asked these young couples, man, uh, questions of all kind. But then he nailed it down to a particular question to each one. And here was the question. Why do you wish to go as a foreign missionary? One young couple said, in unison, because God has commanded us to go overseas to proclaim the gospel to every creature in the world. This other couple had somewhat of a similar answer said this, we want to go because there are millions of people who have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only one who can save. And then there were others who gave similar answers. James Hudson Taylor, a veteran of the mission field, paused and thought deeply and said these words, of all your motives, all of your motives are good, but I fear you will fail in times of severe testing and tribulation, especially if you are confronted with the possibility of having to face death for your testimony and faith. The only way that you would stay and remain true to the mission field is if you love those God has called you to reach. James Hudson Taylor knew that if they went over there without the motivation of loving them to proclaim the gospel, that they would not share the gospel and fear of their own lives. Let it be because we have experienced God's love in Christ that we decide to share the good news of Jesus Christ, no matter the cost 
and no matter the sacrifice. First city, Bellevue. Let it be said of you, the reason you proclaim the gospel to all, the reason why you do life together, the reason why you desire to make disciples and make disciples, the reason why you desire to plant and support church planting, the reason you desire to cultivate spiritual renewal through the good news of Jesus Christ, let it be because the love of Christ constrains you.